What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Sunday evening. We don't do a lot of Sunday evening podcasts. You know, we normally do the whole Monday and Thursday and then whatever days breaking news happens to occur. However, sometimes things come together and we do things a little bit differently. And I think this will go ahead and be a Sunday night edition of the Monday podcast because we got a little bit of a breaking news for you here. Uh, Tennessee has added a commitment from Jamal Wallace, a six foot two, 302 pound Kansas City native who went to Sierra College there in Rockland, California. We're going to talk a little bit about him in the first segment. We're going to talk a little bit about portal stuff, about a big visit weekend for Tennessee, about the, the signing period opening up then on Wednesday. As you know, it's not the old school February. Now it's it's the whole late December thing. So I think you know where we're going with this one. We're going to go over to that home daycare center and get to Ryan Callahan. Ryan, what's up, man? Uh, not much, man. Just uh, get, getting a little bit of downtime after a pretty busy day. Busy, busy weekend, as you alluded to, and Tennessee kind of finished out a, a pretty productive weekend with another commitment. This is what the third straight day with a commitment, I believe. So it's, it's been a, it's been a busy little stretch here for the weekend. Yes, it has. And, uh, you know, I, Ben went to San Antonio to cover the basketball game and I'm glad that I stayed here because a bunch of my wife's family, uh, assembled here in town to do some of the Christmas stuff. So there were a whole bunch of little, little squirts running around and we had to keep up and, and wrangle all them. And, and, and the young one here, my, my kids a little bit still excited from all that, not wanting to go to bed, uh, properly this evening. So we'll see how all that goes. Gotta be with my wife down there doing with that right now. But I hope wherever y'all are, I hope you're having a good good night. I hope you had a good weekend. I hope your week is a good one. I know the holidays are coming up. It's a fun time of year and it's a really busy time of year, right? I mean, you know, Tennessee hasn't played football in a few weeks and and Ryan, you think about, oh, well, you know, just kind of getting ready for the bowl game and all this. No, this is one of the craziest months for college football coaches. And we're going to talk primarily about Jamal Wallace in the first segment, but in the second segment, we'll get to just how crazy everything is this time of year because you've got players going out of the portal, players coming to your school from the portal. You got guys making NFL draft decisions and, and saying they're going to come back or they're not. They're going to play in the ball game or they're not. And you're kind of going through, okay, can we get this guy now? If we don't have this guy, can we get this guy? And now with, with NIL collectives and a million other things going on, it's just an absolutely bonkers time of year and with that said Tennessee has added I believe as you said a third player in three days what can you tell us about this Jamal uh, Wallace Ryan because I got to be honest with you I don't know a ton about him that's not highly unusual for me to not be the guy who knows a ton about some of these guys when they commit but this was a Juco guy who we don't have a rating for yet which again does not mean he's not good it just means sometimes with Juco it takes a while to get the go through the system right yeah, exactly right. I know that's the first thing that will probably jump out to a lot of people is uh, this guy. You know, I haven't heard a lot about him. He's not rated. He can't be good, right? And as you said, that's not necessarily what that means. Um, first of all, junior college players pop on and off the radar all the time. Um, you've seen Last Chance You You know what these junior colleges are like. It is a it is a kind of fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants operation a lot of times, yep. and, and, and top JUCOs are, are more organized than others. So players can – you know, just look at the Byron Young story. I mean, he's he's managing a Dollar General or whatever one year. The next year he's at Georgia Military, and then he plays his way into the NFL. It's just players coming and going all the time, and some stick and some turn out to be good and some don't. And sometimes they, they turn out to be good, and you didn't even know they were going to be good. So um, so that, that leads to a ratings process that happens a little bit later for our analysts. And we've had some turnover there as, as well on our staff. We have a, a – uh, a, a different person doing our JUCO ratings this year uh, from what we had last year. So that, that may have played into it as well, but regardless, there were several junior college guys who are still not rated and he happens to be one of them. Now I expect us to get a rating on him fairly soon, hopefully by even Sunday night. Um, so at the time of this podcast, uh, if you listen to it later tonight, you might 
look at this or listen to this and say, what are you talking what about? The, he yeah, has what, a the, ring what the hell are these guys talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So, but at the time he committed to Tennessee on Sunday afternoon, he was not rated. Um, but that's just because our guys hadn't gotten around to him yet. And that's something we'll be finishing up here as we move toward national sign day in February, still some unrated junior college players and some high school players for that matter, who are still unrated. I tell this story all the time um, toward the end of the Derek Dooley era, kind of a funny offer at the time, you know, they're, they're about to get fired. You know, he, he hadn't been fired at the time. Mid-November, Tennessee's languishing in this, you know, mediocre to terrible season. And Tennessee offers this South Florida defensive back named Eddie Jackson. Yeah. No rating, no rating on his profile at the time. No SEC offers, I don't believe, at the time. And Tennessee offers this wide receiver at the time who looked like a pretty good player to me. And fans are just complaining left and right about how terrible this like, – what is this staff doing? They're recruiting this random receiver in South Florida just trying to get a body. Well, lo and behold, two months later, Eddie Jackson's rated in the top 247, and he's deciding between Alabama and LSU. So sometimes players do just kind of pop up out of nowhere, even in the high school ranks, and get rated late. And sometimes they end up being really good. Um, you guys re- remember the uh, uh, what was the receiver Jordan Young, the receiver from the Atlanta area, yes, that popped up yes. uh, a few years ago, picked Florida State over Tennessee at, after committing to Tennessee, and ended up being a top 247 prospect. So that happens too. So for all we know, Jamal Wallace is going to be a four-star by signing day. I have no idea what to expect. All I know is Tennessee's had its sights set on him for a few months. If you follow our daily recruiting coverage, you've seen this name for a while now. Um, they went out in September knowing they still needed defensive line help and offered three junior college guys on the same day uh, in September, the week of uh, the, I believe it was the the UTEP game, the Friday before that. Um, so they'd obviously been looking at some film. That's about the time of the year where you have enough film to go by you've got three or four games depending on how far into, into a player's season they might be and so they saw some early season film utah state had just given jamal wallace his first offer four days before that so tennessee gives him his second offer at the time and it looked pretty early on like a, like an obvious match uh depending on whether tennessee went after him very hard or not. Um, they obviously had Brian Taylor also in on official visit for, from the junior college ranks, mm-hmm. defensive lineman from Texas. He's now headed to Florida. Um, that was a big time battle, Georgia and some others in that one too. Um, and then Kamari Copeland was another guy Tennessee hosted on an official visit last month, the same weekend as Brian Taylor. He's not off the board yet as of the recording of this podcast, but I think he's less likely to end up at Tennessee. So this will probably be Tennessee's only junior college edition on the defensive line. But I think he's a pretty good one. He's a really interesting one. Fascinating background. He's from Kansas City. A lot of these junior college guys, to me, have fascinating backgrounds because they can can just be so random. There's so many JUCOs in that state for a guy there to go out to, you know, a couple thousand miles away is kind of unusual to me. It's it's that. I mean, Tennessee's gone out there and gotten you know Jabril Wilson and guys like that. I mean, no, it, it no, I'm just talking. I'm, I'm, no, I'm just talking about a guy from Kansas City, a guy from yeah. that area. And there's so many. I know he's from the Missouri side, I right. suppose. But but in Kansas, you got so many JUCOs there and Missouri too that he goes to California. That's odd to me. Right. Yeah. I mean, why not Independence or Hutchinson or yeah. somewhere down the road? So yeah, that that is odd. Uh, you don't see that too often. But he ends up in, in California, going to junior college. The fascinating thing about him as a player is. He's a former high school wide receiver and yeah, defensive back. Yeah. Um, he weighed 190 pounds as a senior in high school, as he told me today. And now he's 302 pounds on his official visit to Tennessee about like three years later. So that that's just uh, it shows you what players can do to change their bodies uh, as they get older. This is this is one of the reasons I always say you take lighter and more athletic defensive linemen and let their bodies do whatever they're going to do because sometimes you'll sign a 220-pound defensive end and he ends up being a 310-pound defensive tackle. That'll occasionally happen. Not often, but sometimes. He's a guy who's kind of done that, but a little more extreme version where he's gone from wide receiver to playing his way to the middle of the defensive line because he's probably going to be a defensive tackle, I think, now at Tennessee. Uh, We'll see what his body does, though. He says he played this year around 275, but I think he's a fun player to watch because you look at his film – this is the guy who played stand-up linebacker defensive end this year for his junior college. He's out there playing in space, um, you know, just not not lining up with his hand on the ground. And for for Tennessee yeah. to 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 find this guy out there to to say, hey, we think he can be a nice three technique, a nice defensive end. Um, I, I you know I, I think give them credit for the find. Um, we'll, we'll see if anybody else ends up offering down the stretch or anything like that from the Power Five ranks. But right now it's really is only power five offer. And, and you can see that as a, as a knock on him for sure. But sometimes you find a good player that doesn't have a, a bunch of other big offers and 
it ends up just being a, a, a hidden gem somewhat. So we'll, we'll see how this turns out in the long run. But I, I think an interesting pickup for Tennessee. He won't be on campus until May. That's one downside for a junior college player. Sometimes you bring in guys for immediate impact and they're there yeah. in January to go through spring practice. He will not be. But I think that's not a, a terrible thing in this case. Tennessee's got plenty of veterans coming back on the defensive line. He can still make an early impact and not have to, you know, this this is probably not a day one starter, in my opinion, coming from the junior college ranks. I think he's a guy who can play, work his way into the rotation this year. And then next year, when you have a bunch of guys leaving after this year, remember, we've talked about that before, tons of seniors now who will be gone next year. Omari Thomas and all those guys who have recently said they're coming back. Omar Norman Lott. All those guys are going to be off the roster next year now. And this guy helps you make up for those that mass exodus a little bit. So uh, at the very least, it's a guy who can start to work his way in this year and and give you a a potential starter next year. Um, So I think a nice pickup for Tennessee fills up, obviously it fills a need. They had to have more defensive line help in this 2024 class and a, and a kind of interesting pickup because I think he really could. You look at the film, there's athleticism, obviously a former receiver playing defensive line. Now there's some athleticism, pretty productive for a good portion of this season. Um, Talking to him, he was really worried about his early season film, not being, good enough he didn't put any out the first few weeks because he thought it wasn't good enough and his aunt and and some other people finally convinced him to put his film out there and see what he got and next thing he knows utah state offers and and then he he had better film toward the end of the season he thought and um kept getting more interest and ended up taking five official visits and you know north texas and usf and houston some other decent programs just not the power five types aside from tennessee and he always liked tennessee it was his dream school oddly enough so that's a an interesting angle we can talk about in that a second. Is, so that is really interesting to me. I mean, that, I don't, yeah, I don't... that part, that part's kind of funny. The the, the Kansas City side again. We'll, we'll elaborate on that in just a second. But so from the time he got the Tennessee offer, it did look like pretty obvious that he was going to end up at Tennessee as long as they wanted him, and they did. It worked out. It ended up being a fit on both sides. So Tennessee addresses a need. Um, gets a guy who can come in here next summer and uh, and, and really give that group a, a boost. I think and and. Get some positional versatility too, because he could be a strong side end, depending on whether he sheds some of that weight he's added this fall, or or you know does he settle in at two eighty or three hundred? Basically, that's going to be the question: Is he an interior slash defensive end, or is he just a, a defensive tackle? So we'll see what his body ends up doing. But wherever he lines up, I think he gives you some pass rushing ability and certainly some upside there coming from the junior college ranks. That makes this a pretty nice late find. I mean, we'll see, we'll see if he ends up being a more Byron Young type or more like Owen Williams type from a few years ago where, you know, he's maybe he's just a rotational guy his whole career. You know, we don't know that yet, but I'll be pretty surprised if he doesn't end up playing a pretty decent number of snaps for Tennessee because I think he is a, a pretty nice player who given some time to develop in an SEC weight room should be pretty good. Yeah, I'll say this too about defensive linemen. Uh, if Rodney Garner wants, like, like Tennessee's not going to add a defensive lineman unless Rodney Garner signs off on it. I firmly believe that. And the second part of that is if Rodney Garner signs off on a defensive lineman, I do believe the ability is there. Like I I will, it's not something where I'm not going to say that wherever he ends up being ranked, if it's not that high. Okay. Fair enough. But like for me, what would be more important is if Rodney Garner, one of the better D line coaches in the business wants him, then I think that that would probably mean more to me. I would think. Yeah, I I think that's fair. Um, And, I, 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 yeah, I think you give Rodney Garner the benefit of the doubt. He's had a nice history of finding some of these types of guys, frankly, from high school and from junior college. I remember Auburn coming up with a few mm-hmm. kind of diamonds oh, in yeah. the rough that, that turned into really good players in, in college. So uh, I, I definitely wouldn't rule out the possibility that this turns out to be just a steal for Tennessee, despite the fact that he doesn't have any power, any other power five offers. And, you know, the, again, the, just the body type, the fact that he's out, out playing on the edge, I mean, nev- never really lined up with his hand on the ground this season. He's out playing on on the edge in space at 275, 285 this season. And and to me, you know, moves around really well for a guy that size. So I, I think there really is a lot to work with here. He's obviously still rough around the edges. He's only been playing for a couple years in that type of role, and I wouldn't even say on the defensive line. So this is a guy that's going to have to learn how to play against guards and centers. You know, he's never done that before. Mm-hmm. He's always lined up on the edge. He's learned, he's been going against tackles and winning one-on-one matchups out there against tackles and tight ends and stuff like that. So th- this is a guy who's going to have to learn to play on the interior. He's going to have to continue to get stronger as all linemen do. He's going to have to learn how to 
to, to win one-on-one battles in the trenches and win sometimes against double teams. And mm-hmm. so he's got a lot to learn and still work through, and he knows that. Um, but at the same time, he thinks he can come in and help Tennessee next year. So, uh, I, I, again, I think it's a really intriguing pickup, as a lot of junior college players are. And, you know, defensive line has always been one of those positions. You go to junior college to get players at that spot. You don't see it all the time at running back, at wide receiver, at a lot of number of other positions for whatever reason. Defensive line is one of those positions where it's okay to do that. You know, there's always guys out there who are pretty good athletes that you can make pretty good power five players out of from the junior college level. So I, I, I think Tennessee will, will get something out of J- Jamal Wallace. I think he'll be a pretty good player. And, uh, and I think this is probably a nice pickup for Tennessee, especially, especially under the circumstances with not a whole lot of names left on the board. You know, they obviously have had some tough misses at that position in this class, but I think this is as far as fallback plans go in the final week before signing day, this is this one's not too bad at all. Yeah, Ron. Before we go to break here, I do. Uh, I, I've got a, I've got an itch to scratch on that on that dream school thing, because th- this is a young man who, again, right? Everybody's got different things, right? Different reasons for for places just kind of having having a connection with them. You know, I, I remember like the the wide receiver Bo Nix's, you know, adopted brother who who plays for Oregon, grew up in a small town in Alabama, dreaming of playing for Oregon just because he watched him on TV and loved him. So you never know, right? It, different things can mean different things to different people. Why is Tennessee a quote dream school for a young man growing up in Kansas City and then going to JUCO in California? Yeah, Tennessee fans that have been around for a long time are going to love this part of the story. So. Um, and he, he, by the way, he didn't just say that Sunday when he announced his commitment, he genuinely has said that for a while. The first time I talked to them back in early October, I think it was, he told me Tennessee was his dream school. And I kind of shrugged it off a little bit at the time, but he very much sounded like he wanted to go to Tennessee that day. Um, I think he probably would have committed to Tennessee back in October without visiting if they had let him, you know, he seemed like he was that eager to be part of Tennessee's class. So it seemed kind of obvious to me that as long as Tennessee gave him the green light, he would end up at Tennessee. Um, that was just a question for a while. Will he get the green light? Because again, there is a little bit of uncertainty there. Sure. You, you, you know, the, the numbers weren't just eye popping at junior college. He had some pretty good production this year, but it wasn't so good that you'd say he's a must take. So there was always that question, especially with two other junior college options out there. But Tennessee obviously liked him, stayed on him. And I think this is worth noting too. Rodney Garner went out and saw him play at some point this season. Um, so that he's gotten a firsthand look at him and they kept recruiting him, stayed on him and ended up taking him here at the end. But he's from Kansas City, as we talked about, went to Ruskin High School in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Growing up in that area, you might know there's a ball connection there. Eric Berry played for the Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. while he was growing up. We always talk about the value of putting players in the NFL and star players in the NFL in particular. So it's a little bit Eric Berry, but it was mostly Inky Johnson. Um, Inky Johnson, now obviously now a motivational speaker after his career-ending uh, injury that he suffered back in 2006, against air force yes i believe um, that was the case yes so so yeah he goes all over the country you see a lot of videos of him these days talking to college programs obviously goes around and talks to tennessee every year and alabama and all kinds of places well he spoke at as it turns out jamal wallace's high school when he was in high school and that speech obviously made a big impression on teenage jamal wallace um so he becomes he that day i guess hearing inky johnson talk about his experience at tennessee he said man I want to play at Tennessee. So Mm -hmm. Inky Johnson essentially made Jamal Wallace a Tennessee fan. And then he makes the connection with Eric Berry. And I guess, I I don't know how much of the story he heard. I don't know if he found out that Eric Berry wore 29 because of Inky Johnson and all of that. Um, But regardless, he, the, the kind of the connection with Inky Johnson and Eric Berry caused Jamal Wallace to, from that point forward, want to play at Tennessee. So um, great little (laughs) interesting background story that Jamal Wallace has wanted to play for Tennessee for the past few years. And here's a guy who three months ago didn't even know if he was going to get the chance to play Division One football uh, at this level because his season, his sophomore season at junior college, had not gone off to a good start. And oh, by the way, a couple of years ago he weighed a buck ninety, and now he's three hundred pounds. So just amazing stories to me that these guys transform themselves so much, have this you know random connection to Tennessee that just sort of makes him a Tennessee fan from that point forward. And now here he is playing football at Tennessee about to sign with the Vols on, on early signing day. So pretty cool connection there. And funny, just a, one of those funny stories about how having players who go around the country and are are, are well-known can can cause other players to latch onto a program. It never hurts to have guys playing in the NFL. It never hurts to have a former player who's a famous motivational speaker. 
And this shows you exactly why that's valuable. I tell you what, Ron, you described someone who's got tremendous ninja material to me is what you just what you just oh, described. Oh, I should have. For, I should the, have for, for those coming. who don't know what this is, I'll say this very quickly before we go to break. Every year, I, I try to pick out a couple guys. I call them they're my ninjas because they sneak up on you, and they're guys who I watch in practice back in the days. You know when we could watch practice. Sometimes we still can occasionally. And I see guys, and and they can't be a four star or five star. They got to be three stars or lower. And I look at him and I go, I think he's going to be good. I think that guy's going to be good. And if sometimes if there's a little bit of a bias going into it because I know a guy's got a neat story that that can that can definitely tug on the heartstrings and bring you up the rankings. So I'm not officially declaring him a ninja at this point. I'm saying he's on notice. He is someone who could be on the board because before you described that story to me, Ryan. I would have thought this young man looked at the 10 offers he had, the others being Houston, North Texas, USF, Utah State, Charlotte, Coastal Carolina, Incarnate Word, Memphis, and Toledo. And then you have a Tennessee offer. Hell, Tennessee is my dream school if that's the if that's my top 10. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right, if I'm exactly. looking at that, I'm going like you could be anybody. Like Mizzou would look like the the greatest place in the history of the world, you know, compared to the a lot of this lot of offers. And no offense to the, those programs and their fans. I'm just saying if those were my 10 offers, I'd be like, oh, I've been involved my whole life. You know what I mean? Like I'd, I'd be saying that. So, but no, there's an actual story behind that, which is neat. But Jamal Wallace obviously will be a part of this Tennessee signing class. He will not be the only part of this Tennessee and it, signing and he, slash transfer and he will, class. And he will sign on Wednesday, by the way, even though okay, he good. is not enrolling early. But just like everybody else in Tennessee's class, same boat. We're not expecting anyone not to sign on Wednesday. So, he commits on Sunday. He will be signing with the Vols in three days. Good. So now we've got that set. So we've talked about Jamal Wallace, but there are going to be others in this class, right? A lot of names we know, perhaps a few we don't know yet. You never know, moving and shaking in, in the final couple of days. Plus, there's always portal explosion stuff going on there. A, a busy few days there for Tennessee, finally kind of jumping in the boat with a with a big cannonball there with Holden Stay. So, so there's a lot going on and a lot we need to wrap up But before that. So before we do that, let's just go quickly to break and then we can clear the deck and do that. Uh, so we'll go listen to some ads, some uh, product services, in-house stuff, etc., and then be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Ryan Callahan coming to you from across town there at his home daycare center speaking to you, recording this, and it will also be released on a Sunday night. Uh, been a bit, bit, bit of a rainy Sunday, a bit gloomy uh, with the weather, but uh, we got to spend it uh, with family here on this end, so it's not so gloomy when you're spending time with family that you love and don't get to see all the time, and I hope all of y'all get a chance to do that over the holidays we are talking tennessee football recruiting obviously the there was a another addition to the class on sunday tennessee adding juco defensive lineman jamal Walls, who of course is a hashtag vfl with a wonderful story uh, that we wrapped up there in the first segment but there's going to be a lot more people uh, that we're going to have to talk about in the coming days, right? Just a few days away from the uh, the signing period opening up. And, and as Ryan said later in the first segment, there's a lot of people, pretty much everyone that we know of to this point at least will be signing uh, on on Wednesday. So we got a lot to discuss. And before we do that, just a quick, quick request from our end. If you could take about a minute out of your day right now, go rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We really would appreciate that. That is the holiday gift that we would like very much. If you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, no problem. Nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. Does help us out a little bit more, though, if you go in there on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world. You can cast the fine pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it for free. No complaints whatsoever. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You're going to be doing a lot of mingling, hopefully, during the holiday season. Uh, you're going to be uh, rubbing elbows with some family, getting some hugs, throwing the football around, exchanging gifts, doing good stuff. 
if, if there's Tennessee fans in your life, tell them about this podcast. And if there's a Tennessee fan out there that uh, is close to you and you don't really know what to get them for the holidays, you know what? Why don't you go ahead and give them a subscription to GoVols247.com. And if you do that, you can get access. If you get the right subscription, you can get access to Paramount Plus, which comes with a bazillion things to watch. Awesome, awesome stuff. It's so much deal it's so much money for the bank right like we 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 live in an era now where it's like three bucks to get like a cheap fast food burger that used to be like a dollar nothing is cheap anymore you know what bang for the buck go boss 24 7 24 7 sports that network that is tremendous bang for the buck especially when you throw paramount plus in there too so please go to govals247.com and do that and if you're already doing that thank you we love you if not I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ryan, let's wrap up uh, the, the the past few days here. It's been a really busy few days for Tennessee and recruiting, as it's been for all of Tennessee's competitors. It's that time of year, right? Everybody's moving and shaking and all sorts of things are, are, are going on. How would you say the past week or so has gone overall for Tennessee? Because if I am – I'm going to put on the hat here and, and, and play the role of a Tennessee fan – who is saying, okay, Ryan Callahan, Mr. Recruiting Expert, recruiting uh, editor at GoBalls247.com, Tennessee is trying to catch the Alabamas and Georgias of the world, and right now, whether it's fair or unfair, Tennessee's class is ranked, I believe, 13th in the country, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. You can compete with that. But, Ryan, you can't go catch the Alabamas and Georgias of the world's doing that. That's what a lot of people are saying that's what they will say what do you say to those people about where things are and what this class is right now one quick clarification on that that you're looking at the overall team rankings on 24 7 sports and you wouldn't be mistaken by doing that it can be very confusing especially this time of year so that combines the transfer commitments and the high school slash junior college commitments all into one ranking Mm -hmm. everyone's kind of asked for that i even had somebody ask on the site for that uh, yesterday, and I had to say, hey, we've been doing that for a couple of years now. Um, so we already do that, kind of providing everyone an overall assessment of the talent that's coming in, especially when you have schools like Colorado out there with like 15 transfer commitments already. It's hard to assess them by just their sure. high school recruiting yeah. rankings. So we rate, so we rate, we rate transfers too, and we combine them all into one ranking. And we also do individual transfer and recruit rankings. So Tennessee's recruiting class, the high school and junior college players, are ranked 14th nationally. Their overall class right now, including the two transfer commitments, is currently 13th. Their transfer class is 28th at the moment, um, only two commitments there. So they'll obviously um, add several more, and so will a lot of other teams. So we'll see where they end up there. I wouldn't expect them to have a top 10 transfer class, but I do think they will end up with a, a solidly top 15 recruiting class. Uh, so we'll see. Again, Jamal Wallace not rated, so that's not taken into account uh, in the uh, in the updated recruiting rankings. So we'll see if. Uh, whenever he has rated his addition to the class makes any di- uh, a dent in, in the rankings there and helps Tennessee move up some. I still think the odds of them finishing 14th are slim, but I don't expect them to go into the top 10 either. I think they'll probably move up a little bit here down the stretch. They should add at least a couple more guys down the stretch to give them at least a little bit better looking class, but it, it is probably a class that's going to fall short of the top 10. And I know that will be seen as a big disappointment to a lot of fans when you know, when, when they were thinking, you know, they, there were some dreams earlier this year of this being a top five class. Sure. Uh, when there was, I, I remember so, us having those conversations. Yeah. I mean, a lot of five stars were legitimately in play for Tennessee earlier this year. You had a shot at Kamarion Franklin, the top 100 defensive lineman. You had a shot at Williams Winery, the, the, the five-star mm-hmm. defensive lineman headed to Missouri. Uh, had a lot of possibilities out there. Just recently, Jordan Seaton going to Colorado over Tennessee. Uh, and then, you know, earlier in the year, even guys like Jaden Riddell, the elite tight end headed to Georgia, they, they've been in the mix for a lot of good players and had had a number of prominent misses that have kept this class from being a surefire top 10 class. So there's some disappointment in there, sure. But when you look at what Tennessee has overall, and a lot of those guys are already on campus, by the way, one thing on that on signing day, you know, we've talked a lot over the years about how, how this day has kind of lost its luster a little bit. Well, another reason for that is some of Tennessee's commitments are already locked in. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have that reflected on the site here uh, in pretty short order. But a lot of those guys have come in over the weekend. In many cases, have already started practicing with Tennessee. In one other case, uh, Kellen Lindstrom, the four-star defensive lineman from Missouri, 
He will be practicing with the team starting on December 26th down in Orlando as they move to the bowl site for Citrus Bowl preparations down in Florida. So in all, uh, 12 guys, I believe, will be practicing with Tennessee this month leading up to the Citrus Bowl, 11 already on campus. Uh, so pretty pretty impressive number of guys, more than half the class already officially locked in with Tennessee. So there's really not much to sweat going into signing day as of right now, just a matter of which last two or three guys they might be able to add here in the final days. Uh, and there was a lot uh, on, the, on their plate this weekend. Had a couple transfer visitors. Uh, Devin Marshall, uh, cornerback from Villanova, was in town. Jordan Dingle, the Kentucky tight end, was very briefly mm, in town. Going to laugh. Going to laugh every time I hear it, Ryan. Laughing every <laughs> time I hear it. Just, 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 just new boot goofing. Just new boot goofing. Before Tennessee added Holden Stays, the Notre Dame tight end, uh, who's now obviously committed to the Vols after announcing his decision on Friday. Um, Dingle wrapped up his visit that night and, and headed back home. And he ended up deciding to stay at Kentucky, uh, going uh, withdrawing from the portal and, and headed back to the Wildcats. Had a bunch of other op- opportunities. Uh, Colorado was the one that I thought looked like it was in the best shape with him before he decided to stay at Kentucky, and I think he was really intrigued by the chance to catch passes from Shador Sanders next year as he makes Mm -hmm. a run at the Heisman. So uh, had some pretty good chances out there. Florida and some other SEC programs were involved. Um, Auburn had some interest, but as it turned out, decided to go back to Kentucky for one more year despite only catching 11 passes there this year. So he was on campus for a little while at least for one day. Uh, And then they they also wrapped up the visit of offensive lineman uh, Jalen Farmer, the Florida offensive lineman, on Friday, that was a Wednesday through Friday visit. You also had Chris Brazel, the Tulane wide receiver, on campus earlier in the week, along with Jermod McCoy, the Oregon State transfer, uh, who, who's a freshman cornerback with three I seasons like of eligibility. I like him. Good, good player, and uh, and a lot of got a lot of good schools after him. Tennessee, very much in the mix there. We'll see where that one goes. But um, so a lot of names that have come in from the transfer portal, and then you had several from the high school ranks in town this weekend, and kind of the big. The, you had a couple of Tennessee commitments who took their official visits. Uh, Carson Gentle, the, the the defensive lineman from Chattanooga, and Jeremiah Hurd, the defensive lineman from Rome, Georgia. Those guys obviously locked in, have been committed to Tennessee for months. No drama there. So really all the attention for the high school guys was focused on two position groups, I should say high school and junior college guys, because you had Jamal Wallace mm-hmm. and you had one other defensive lineman, Murad Watson, uh, from up in New Jersey, Irvington High School in New Jersey. He's he's down to essentially Tennessee and Syracuse. Uh, he's a late bloomer. He's committed to Kent State right now. That's obviously a placeholder because he's not considering them still. Uh, he admitted to Patrick Brown on Sunday morning that it's going to come down to Tennessee and Syracuse. He took an official visit to Syracuse last weekend. Tennessee gets the final visit. He was originally scheduled to visit Nebraska this weekend. How is that Tennessee- even a decision? Yeah, uh, close to home, fun- I guess. I mean, uh, yeah. The, the the funny part of that is, I think you might be leaning towards Syracuse at the moment. Uh, I mean, crazy m- how more this- power to him, man. Kids should kids should play ball where they want to play ball. I just I'm I'm sitting here well, going, I don't get it. A couple things there, close to home, obviously Syracuse. Uh, you know, obviously not too far down the road there from New Jersey, but also Fran Brown, the new Syracuse coach, mm-hmm. has some really strong ties in New Jersey. One of the reasons he got the job. So I think some of his relationships there might be paying off. Uh, but he was scheduled to visit Nebraska this weekend. Tennessee went in home with Josh Heupel and Rodney Garner earlier this week, convinced him to make that trip to Tennessee this weekend. I think the Vols showed really well. I think they really impressed him on that visit. I think they still have a shot in that one. I'm definitely not ready to say he is going to Syracuse, but I have spoken with a couple different sources who believe that staying close to home might be a factor in that one in the end, and that those connections, those relationships that Fran Brown has that I mentioned and his staff as well in the state of New Jersey – might pay dividends with uh, Murad Watson. So we'll see about that one. But another really interesting player, again, shows you how recruiting and how scouting and, and evaluating players never stops. This guy was off the radar two weeks ago. No Power 5 offers at the time. And he commits to Kent State out of nowhere on December 4th, uh, last Monday. So almost two weeks ago now. That same day, later in the day, after it pops up that he's committed to Kent State, he gets his first two Power 5 offers. I believe it was Rutgers... Um, and I can't remember if the other one was Syracuse or Nebraska. I think it was Nebraska. Two days later, Syracuse offers. The next day, Tennessee offers. Suddenly, it's a race. A lot of teams involved. I think he got one more pretty big offer after that as well, maybe Ole Miss or someone like that. Um, so he ends up deciding between well, you can't, well, no, no one's allowed to go to Ole Miss until they've gone somewhere else first. Right? <laughs> I, I could be wrong about Ole Miss, but there was another team. But regardless, he got like five power five offers in four days. 
So now it's a race. Other Power 5 teams we're sniffing around still might be, for that matter. We'll see if he gets any more offers here down the stretch. But uh, ends up essentially deciding between Tennessee, Syracuse, and Nebraska. Tennessee and Syracuse get the two official visits. And he admitted Sunday morning he's pretty much not headed to Kent State anymore. Um, Sorry, Golden Flashes. He did a good job finding this guy. But now somebody else is going to reap the rewards for that. You should have kept that one under your hat until signing day. Yeah. Man, you, people wonder sometimes why schools try to keep. I wouldn't. Quiet. Say, I'd, t- I'd tell them to say, "Listen, kid, I want you to have your your moment on social media. I guess, but like, can we just shut the hell up about this until we, yeah. we get this signature? That's what I would do. But I don't that's know. the uh, that's the constant struggle for schools of that level, and especially now in the transfer portal era. Even if you hide them, you might get them for one year before they've shown they're too good for your school and they they go off elsewhere. But regardless, he's kind of a. A late bloomer, had a good senior season. I, I like his film a good bit. I can certainly see why Tennessee and others have offered. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's a guy who's come, become a pretty coveted guy. Another player who's currently not rated on 24-7 sports, even though he's committed to Kent State. So we'll get a, a rating on him hopefully soon. But he's he's a really interesting late riser here in this 2024 class. So Tennessee hosted both of those guys on the defensive line, obviously looking to address that position. They've probably done what they have to at that position. They don't have to add Murad Watson from a numbers perspective, but they would certainly be open to adding him if they can get him to here down the stretch. He will announce his final decision on Wednesday. And again, that's between Tennessee and Syracuse. So still a shot there. We'll see what happens over the next few days. Uh, And then even if they miss on him, still one other noteworthy possibility out there as of right now. And and others could certainly pop up, uh, especially after signing day, if someone unexpectedly doesn't sign or they find someone else they like um, after, after signing day. But, um, but still, Interested in Dominic McKinley, the five-star Texas A&M defensive line commitment from Louisiana. Uh, that's a name that's popped up here over the past couple of weeks. I wouldn't say a high percentage chance he ends up in Tennessee. Uh, you know, right now it's probably a uh, an outside shot uh, at best, with Tennessee being one of five or six teams in the picture. Syracuse in the picture there because his old defensive line coach uh, that, or defensive mm-hmm. line coach at Texas A&M that was recruiting him for the Aggies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Elijah Robinson is the defensive coordinator at Syracuse, so. Uh, they they've got a strong connection there so they've they've thrown their hat in the race but obviously texas and lsu were heavily involved with him before he committed to texas a&m those two schools are still swinging uh still some others in the picture there including oklahoma and now tennessee kind of a late addition they offered him way back in january but were not a contender the first time around before he picked texas a&m on september 1st so the balls will, will take a swing there as long as he doesn't sign this coming week and they will probably get an official visit from him from what i understand sometime in January. I think the weekend of uh, January 20th has been thrown out as a possibility so far. So we'll, we'll see. And the, and the problem there is some other teams could always enter the picture too. A five-star guy like that left on the market after early signing day. You never know when a big-time program could circle back to him and say, hey, let's, let's throw our hat in the ring too. So that one could get more complicated. But right now, Tennessee has a chance to get an official visit from him in January. So one other possibility left out there, even if they don't get Marad Watson. The other position, and I think maybe the more intriguing one this weekend, was tight end. And Tennessee had two high school tight ends on campus. Um, Cole Harrison from California. He's at Junipero Serra High School in San Mateo, California, just outside San Francisco. And then also uh, kind of snuck a Kentucky commitment on campus. Willie Rodriguez from just outside Cincinnati on the Kentucky side there. Um, been committed to Kentucky since June. So you had a couple of Tennessee-Kentucky battles going on this weekend. You also had Jalen Farmer, the Florida offensive line mm-hmm. transfer that we mentioned earlier. He visited Kentucky right after visiting Tennessee. So those are the two top contenders for him right now. And then you've got Tennessee trying to flip Willie Rodriguez, the tight end commitment. Rodriguez is a more sought-after prospect than Harrison. He has Rodriguez has 35 offers, uh, according to his 24-7 sports profile. Pretty good player and, and a really nice pickup for Kentucky there in their backyard about an hour from Lexington. So this is uh this is a guy they really don't want to lose. And he Yeah, I, I just saw I just saw that Vince Marrow's his guy too, and we know how yeah. we know how big Vince feels about the Vols. So Absolutely. <laughs> there's well, a lot and, riding on that one. And, and Marrow was beating his chest uh, over the weekend about them holding on to Jordan Dingle yeah. after he visited Tennessee, even though that was because Tennessee pulled out essentially of that race. But regardless, he was he was excited about that one and never uh, never is not amped up about a battle with Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So this will be a fun one down the stretch potentially for him. He's got a lot of pressure on him from Kentucky to stay home, to, to not flip on the Wildcats. Tennessee's still pushing there because even if they get Cole Harrison, I think they'd like to have two high school tight ends in this class. Remember, they lost Jonathan Eccles less than two weeks ago, the longtime four-star commitment from IMG Academy in Florida. He flipped to USF. 
So now they need a tight end in this class, and they, they need at least one, and they would like to have both of those guys if they can get them. Cole Harrison, meanwhile, he's he's not he doesn't have as many offers as Willie Rodriguez, and I think they're both good players. Uh, the, the difference is Harrison, really productive at his high school, and he played for a state championship this year in the San Francisco area, lost the state title game just a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I think Tennessee's had an eye on him for two or three months now. Had some really good receiving numbers this season. Really productive player. Only 220 pounds or so. So he's a guy who's clearly going to have to add some weight. But he's six five and a half or so. Definitely has the athleticism in the frame. So no problem there. He'll be able to add the weight. He's just a guy that's probably going to take a little more time uh, to, to get where he needs to be physically. But Tennessee likes him quite a bit, too. So both of those good-sized players Tennessee likes them both, has had an eye on him for a while. Uh, Willie Rodriguez is the more is the more recent offer. Tennessee actually just offered him less than two weeks ago. Auburn offered him the following day. It's Cole Harrison that Tennessee offered on December 1st and went out to watch in early October. Alec Ablin went out there during Tennessee's open date to watch him play and didn't offer for almost two months, but they kept a close eye on him until they knew some other tight end options were off the board and then went ahead and offered. So uh, a guy that Tennessee's been watching for a long time, as of right now, coming out of the weekend, I think Tennessee's in pretty good shape with Cole Harrison. I think that visit went really well. Washington State is the other finalist there, and that would sound like a no-brainer, much like a Tennessee-Syracuse battle to U.S. I think most people would say, why would you go to Washington State over Tennessee? Well, they've been recruiting him longer than Tennessee, so there might be a stronger sure. relationship there. And he's got a couple former, well, not so much former teammates, guys who played at his school a few years ago who are now at, at Washington State. So that gives him a little bit of a connection there. He doesn't know those guys extremely well, but sort of some common connections that can make it a little more comfortable. And it's not quite as far from home. It's still a plane ride from home, something like a 10-hour drive, but it is it, it is a more manageable trip as opposed to flying across the country. So his family has to consider that. Now, one thing he mentioned to me Sunday, distance will not be a factor for him in his final decision because he says his family will be moving with him wherever he goes. And as of right now, I think that might be more likely to be Tennessee. I think the Vols have a real shot of winning that one. So I think they're going to get at least one high school tight end here down the stretch as of right now. That could always change, but right now I think they're going to get a tight end. It's just a matter of do they get both Cole Harrison and Willie Rodriguez or do they just get one of those guys? It's going to be interesting to see over the next few days how that goes, but that's kind of the most intriguing position left on the board uh, leading up to early signing day is what's going to happen at the tight end position. They got Holden stays on Friday. You kind of got your starter for next season. Now they need some depth. You've got Ethan Davis. You've got Emmanuel Okoye, kind of the long-term project. You need at least a third guy that you can play there next season in a pinch, uh, in addition to maybe some walk-ons. So they got to get one of those guys for sure that visited this weekend. You know, they could always try to go back to the portal for a second guy. But I think the more ideal scenario would be Tennessee gets two high school guys and doesn't have to go back to the portal for another tight end. It might make things a little more uncomfortable for Holden stays, quite frankly. So you bring in a second high school guy, and then those guys can kind of battle it out for, with Ethan Davis to be the number two tight end next season. So we'll see how that goes. But obviously an interesting weekend for Tennessee. They get uh, Holden stays on Friday. Uh, they add Jacoby Thomas, the in-state defensive back, uh, MTSU safety transfer on Saturday, and then pick up Jamal Wallace, the junior college defensive line, on Sunday. So it has not been dull. And there should be a little bit more activity over the next few days in addition to whatever happens with those handful of transfer portals, portal targets that we're watching closely as well. Some of those guys could make decisions this week too. Some could wait a little longer and maybe take more visits in January. So a lot of things we're still keeping an eye on as we get ready for early signing day. Yeah, Ryan, quick sidebar. There's a bunch of reasons why – you know, I I wish that we could occasionally get a glimpse of, of practice. I mean, it's listen, it's Hypel's program. He can do whatever he wants with it. But uh, I, I, one of the reasons I would have liked to have seen practice is because the last time that I remember watching Okoye, I still thought I'm not sure that he's not an edge rusher or edge defender at some point. Yeah. But then, of course, you remember, well, look how raw he is as a prospect, and he's had a full month now. So I was you know, excited for a while there when I thought we might get a chance to see a couple of you know, practices there for the bowl game. I would like to have seen, I mean, I, he, that would have been one of the first positions I would have gone to. Cause I want to see like, okay, how different does he look now? He's had a few months, you know, what's this transition looking like? Is he looking smoother now? Is he looking like a more natural kind of pass receiver? 
And, and so when we see him in the spring, he might look like a tight end. You, you just, I have no idea. We have to go on what we hear because we don't see it yet. So that, that would have been something I would like to have seen because especially if Tennessee gets, you know, a couple high school tight ends, I'm not so sure that's not a better fit for him. Athletically, he could do anything. The kid's an absolute freak of an athlete. I just, you know, to me, when I watched him run and catch passes, I was like, oh, I wonder if he's not an edge defender. But maybe that's harsh because he hasn't played a lot of football. If you were if you were picking the more ideal position for him based on how he looked this season, I think no doubt it would be edge rusher. That's what he did more overseas at the NFL Academy before coming to Tennessee, too. So it was probably a more natural fit for him right out of the gates. Tennessee had a couple things to consider there. Obviously, they were short on tight end depth last year, too, mm-hmm. and needed another body at that position. So that was a factor. And then, you know, clearly they see some big upside there. You know, we talked before about his leaping ability as a former basketball mm-hmm. player. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a lot of years in basketball, so he's got a really big catch radius. The upside there is tremendous if he can actually put it together at tight end. The problem is you're taking a guy who is already a project at probably any position, and you're putting him at the position that's probably the hardest to learn of any spot mm-hmm. uh, that he could have played um, because tight end is a very complex position. Physi- gotta, physically and mentally, it's absolutely yeah. ridiculously hard. You've got to be an elite pass protector, a very effective run blocker, especially in Tennessee's offense mm-hmm. and a great pass catcher. And that involves being a proficient route runner and having reliable hands and good speed. And Oh, by the way, having to jump over defenders and stuff sometimes too. So you, you have to have an extremely well-rounded skill set. The thing is, we've seen former basketball players do that at a high level a lot of the tight end position. Oh, yeah. That's become a very common transition. So, so we'll see how it goes. I, I'm not, I'm not in disagreement with you though. I, I think edge rusher. If I was, if I was placing him somewhere, I, I thought Emmanuel Okoye might be a better fit as an edge coming out of the NFL Academy. But Tennessee put him there. We'll see if that's a long term fit. I, I wonder if someday. I, I'm not saying this is going to happen. It probably never will. I've wondered about a Shondavian Bradley for Emmanuel Okoye swap because mm. Shondavian Bradley caught some passes his R- senior really year. Really good school. athlete, really good athlete, really good athlete. Smart I he was, kid, smart kid too. Yep, and I thought he was about as good on offense as he was on defense as a senior. And that's not a knock on his defensive ability. I just thought he was a, a, a surprisingly good tight end for his high school team, but really a wide receiver. He kind of split out wide at wide receiver a lot, but he caught a good number of passes that year. And only had a couple sacks as a senior. And that's obviously a guy who redshirted, didn't play in a single game this season. So who knows what his potential is. And he's just scratching the surface of whatever he's going to be on defense. But just just file that one away. Something to put in the back of your brain. I'm not saying nobody at Tennessee has even talked to me about that being a possibility. But I've just wondered to myself, could there one day be an Emmanuel Okoye for Sean Davian Bradley swap? Yeah, and to do just, that, I imagine that too, Ryan, because you you know, every time I've seen or heard Alec Ablin talk about Emmanuel Okoye, I, I get the sense that you will pry Okoye away from Ablin's cold, dead hands. Like yeah, he, he's yeah. like he does not he loves he's absolutely enamored with the upside of that young man, and rightfully well, he, so. He put some praise on him that was probably a bit too much. <laughs> Let's be honest. He said some things about, but still, how like good for he for his be. headspace to even for him to even ha- be in that right. headspace tells you something. Yes. Now, now his, his 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 compliment was not what people probably read it as, but he was saying, and it's not unreasonable that he might be the most athletic guy to ever play the position. When you look at what he can do, just in terms of raw athleticism, and I think that's not unfair. We've talked about what his vertical was. Now, I will say his vertical was unverified and it was recorded overseas. So I don't know that he had a 45 and a half inch vertical or whatever. They don't even know what inches are. They don't even know what inches are, Ryan. Exactly. That's probably, they probably measure that in centimeters. Who knows? But regardless, uh, he can jump. He can jump high. So, and and runs fast too, has some pretty good verified 40 times as well. So he is a great athlete. No question about that. So whatever he is in the long run, he will be a fascinating prospect to watch. He's just probably a year or two away still from being any sort of major impact player. So you need a couple of tight ends there to kind of bridge the gap. Um, you know, I had people have kind of been wondering, you know, why didn't Tennessee sign Jordan Dingle or add Jordan Dingle from the, the transfer portal too? They need a couple guys that can play. That's true. Tennessee would have loved to do that. If you remember last year, they tried to get two out of the transfer mm-hmm. portal when they got McAllen Castles and they couldn't find that second guy. They thought Jacob Warren was going to leave at the time or very well might have. He ended up staying and that made up for the loss or, or their failure to get a second tight end from the portal. They learned from that and understood that this year it was going to be hard to get two starter quality guys out of the portal. So rightfully so, they kind of set their sights on, let's just make sure we get one really good one that can start. So they have that now in Holden stays. 
again, they could always go back to the portal later and get a depth guy maybe if they had to, but still the more comfortable fit here, both for long-term development and for this season, just to not not make not block Ethan Davis, not make Holden Stays think he's going to split reps with some other veteran, just to bring in a couple of other high school guys who can play in a pinch. Somebody can maybe play early as a, as a number three tight end, push Ethan Davis a little bit so that he can be the number two tight end and, and let that be a better long-term situation. So you don't have to keep going back to the portal and get the numbers kind of normalized at that position. But that to me is still the most important position Tennessee still has to address down the stretch. Only three scholarship players there right now. You have to get at least one more, I think, by Wednesday. And ideally, you'd get both of those high school guys. But again, Willie Rodriguez, a lot of pressure to stay close to home, to stay at Kentucky. Been committed there for almost six months. Maybe that one ends up not happening because of all that pressure to stay home uh, and because of how much attention Kentucky is going to show him the next few days to make sure that visit doesn't amount to anything. Also worth noting, for whatever it's worth, we haven't well, talked to he, Rodriguez he, yet. He'll get the chance to beat a lot of MAC teams. Guaranteed. <laughs> Multiple wins over the Mac. They'll be Mac champions every year as long as he's there. And you mentioned Vince Merrow. He is the tight ends coach at Kentucky. So that's his position coach, mm-hmm. not just his recruiter. So that is the position he coaches, um, although he just has a reputation as kind of their ace recruiter. So he'll take a lot of personal investment in keeping him. So it's going to be a dogfight down the stretch for him. And I think Tennessee really would like to have Willie Rodriguez if they can get him. But that, to me, is the biggest storyline left for Tennessee. Obviously, the transfer portal stuff, very important, too. But to me, for this high school class, they got the defensive lineman they had to have. They really needed one more there to kind of replenish the numbers and give them somebody for next year especially. But they really need a a tight end or two, ideally, here down the stretch to put the finishing touches on this high school class, which, again, might not finish in the top ten, but I still think it's a pretty good class. Yeah, that that was my my final question was sort of – you know, vibes are, are an important thing, right? I'm a big vibes guy, always have been. But sometimes you have to t- kind of take a step back and, and, and understand or, or, or try to grapple with what a team needs at a certain time and is it able to get those things. And I, I just don't know exactly what to make of this class because, you know, Tennessee, when you think of, of where things were at the tail end of, of last season and in with all these five stars, and you kind of really felt like it was on the precipice of something really becoming potentially special, you know? And, and then I don't think it's unfair to sit here now and go, was that maximized as much as it could have been? Because, you know, now you got like a, you're, you're hoping to kind of finish strong here and get a top 10 class. But like everyone at Tennessee is very, very clear about what the aspirations of the program are and what they all want it to be. They want it to be what the fans want it to be. And does this class move the meter in that direction? We don't know yet. You know, we'll, we'll see in a few years where things are. But it's just, you know, I don't I don't blame people for feeling frustrated or that an opportunity was potentially kind of lost there to really kind of jump the curve and really, really get things going uh, back quickly. So Ryan, this is just me talking. I I understand the frustration from people, some out there. I do think some of them as people are prone to do maybe get carried away with it, but I understand the root cause there, at least on paper of saying, you know, is this exactly what everybody wanted it to be? And the answer to that might be not quite. Yeah, and, and that's I think that's totally fair. Again, I think Tennessee's had a, a number of high-profile misses in this 2024 recruiting class. There's just about one at every position you can point to. And the fall didn't go well. That's That's the other part of this is Tennessee's summer left them in a good spot to finish pretty well as long as they added a few nice pieces down the stretch and they were still – Enough names left on the board for that to happen. They stayed in the in the mix for Kai Bates after he committed to LSU, and they looked like they were in prime position to steal him away after he decommitted from LSU back in early November. He sneaks up to Tennessee for a visit for the UConn game that went unreported at the time, and then he, he was planning to come back for the Georgia game. And then after he decommits, he ends up going to a game in his hometown in Orlando that week, an FCS game, instead of going anywhere because Florida State had shut down that visit after he went there the week before. So uh, they don't get Kai Bates. Florida State gets him. They don't get Cam Michael in late November. He he picks Colorado instead of the Vols. He had been one of Tennessee's top receiver targets for months. Uh, and then, obviously, you lose Jordan Seaton in early October. He picks Colorado over Tennessee. And and Tennessee went, went really hard after him for a while and made him a huge priority. So that was a big 
stinging miss for the Vols there uh, to miss out on a five-star offensive tackle that could have really changed the look of that offensive line even next year, but certainly for the long-term uh, outlook for that for that position group. So some some high-profile misses like that. And then even back in the summer, you know, still some other missed opportunities that could have really changed the complexion of this recruiting class. You know, some some guy, like Chris Cole, back around the start of September, picking Georgia over Tennessee, the four-star linebacker from Virginia. Um, some big misses on the defensive line. We mentioned they they swung really hard on guys like Williams Winery and, and Kamarion Franklin out of northern Mississippi. So those guys, Tennessee at one point looked like it led for each of them. Uh, Franklin in particular looked like a great possibility. And then Ole Miss comes out of nowhere to steal him away from Miami in the end, and Tennessee isn't even a, a factor um, by the time he makes his decision that day. So they they had some bad misses, and the the end result is a class that's very good, I think, that puts Tennessee in oh, a yeah, better position. for sure, a good class. There's no question about that. Yeah, and it puts them in a better position to compete going forward. Now, this, this is where the disappointment comes in, and you kind of touched on this. At recruiting these days kind of lags a year behind. You know, a lot of time in the past 20 years ago, especially when recruiting was mostly done in December and January, a good football season could lead to a good recruiting class that year. This time, that usually doesn't happen because most players are committed somewhere by the end of the summer before their senior year. So the this recruiting class is essentially what you built on the heels of an 11-2 and two season that was your best season in more than 20 years. So this is why it feels like Tennessee didn't fully maximize its opportunity there because this is the class that was mostly built on that went over Alabama. You know, Mike Matthews' first visit to Tennessee was for the Alabama game last year. Saw an unbelievable environment, a, a memorable experience that catapults Tennessee into the mix for him, and they end up landing him. And he's one of the stars of this class, a five-star wide receiver who should have a lot of chances to play early, no question. Huge win for Tennessee. So there just weren't enough of those. They didn't quite maximize the potential of a win and a season like that, where you had a potential Heisman finalist in Hendon Hooker, even though he didn't make it to New York, a, a Bolitnikoff award winner in Jalen Hyatt. And yet you come away with two wide receiver commitments in this class as of right now. And it doesn't look like they're likely to add a third as of right now. So it's just going to be Braylon Staley and Mike Matthews. And that's a position where they've got to, they've got to improve the numbers. Two very good players, a- two very good players. I mean, Staley is yeah. looking better and better all the time. And everyone knows what Matthews is. Exactly. And Staley had a great showing at the Shrine Bowl of the Carolinas this past week. Uh, one day of practice, yeah. Andrew Rivens. And Tennessee's only going to play three anyway. So, Right. Yeah. <laughs> 24-7 sports director of scouting, Andrew Rivens, went down there and called him the alpha dog from that day of practice that he saw earlier this week. So uh, Braylon Staley, a very good player that you know almost overshadowed by Mike Matthews. But Tennessee's really excited about both of those guys. So two good receivers. But again, they're not really stocking the cupboard much more there. They've got to improve the numbers somehow eventually. That you know, you're losing one receiver right now at that position, uh, Ramel Keaton. So that improves you a little bit to add two, but not much. Uh, and that was a position where they were short on depth this year. They'll go to the portal and get at least one, but that doesn't move the needle quite as much as it probably should have. They probably should have signed at least three, and unless something changes, it looks like they won't. So um, that's you know, you fell short there. You're, you're scrambling for a tight end here at the last minute. It might end up being okay, but the perception and the reality is you are looking for your first tight end commitment three days before signing day. That's not ideal. They had some misses earlier in the year that led to that. Uh, and if there's a theme, if there's a reason I could point to, I think there are a couple problems. They got a lot of people on campus for this class. They've done a great job of getting players on campus going back to last season. A lot of huge visitor lists last season for the Kentucky game, the Florida game, the Alabama game, for junior days earlier this year, for for summer recruiting events. They did a great job of getting players on campus and got a good number of official visits lined up. A couple things happened. They had some misses this summer. Cameron Fountain is maybe the most, most prominent yeah, one of them. Yeah. He committed to USC before he ever got to take his official visit to Tennessee. And just a few days after, Tennessee looked to be in the driver's seat to land him. So some players kind of got stolen away from Tennessee before they got to their official visits. That was a that was kind of a, a, a sore spot for a lot of Tennessee fans this summer. Why didn't we schedule earlier official visits? So that leads me to my greater point, which is, Tennessee and other schools just kind of still adjusting to this NIL era we're in. It's hard to strategize when you don't know how things are going to change from one year to the next. And this happened to be a year where some guys got stolen away from Tennessee because they didn't schedule an early enough visit. They scheduled end of June visits the last week before the dead period for some of those guys. And they never made it to campus. That's usually sound, sound strategy. Get the last visit before a player makes his decision. 
This time it backfired on Tennessee. They didn't get those visits at all. And it kept them from having a chance at guys like Amaris Williams, who committed to Florida, and Cameron Fountain, who was set up to go to Tennessee for a few months. And then USC comes out of nowhere and lands him in early June. So some things like that backfired on them. So I would say still kind of just learning the lay of the land when it comes to NIL and how to recruit through it. And that also applies to the portal. It's hard in the portal, too, to get some of these top guys that go for huge amounts of money. And make no mistake, there is a lot of money going to these impact players in the portal. Um, but they they lost some battles, and some of it was NIL, some of it wasn't. But bottom line is, it leads to some quirky things in recruiting. And I think Tennessee sort of got outmaneuvered for some guys, and some of it's their fault and some of it's not. And one of those things that wasn't was missing out on guys that they made great decisions, I thought, to bring them in for the last visit before they decided to commit. And then they ended up, ended up committing sooner because somebody threw something at them and decide, made them decide to go ahead and commit sooner than they had planned. And the other thing was just not giving themselves enough second-tier options. I thought Tennessee kind of wasted too much time on just a few top targets at some positions, defensive line being one of them. You know, They put a lot of eggs in the Williams-Winnery and Kamarion Franklin baskets and the Cameron Fountain basket. And then when those guys were off the board, they didn't have a whole lot left to go after. That was the, that was the problem. So that's how you end up signing a, a, a fairly small class of defensive linemen and not fully addressing your need at that position to replenish the depth there for the future. Um, still a pretty good defensive line class. Carson Gentle, Jeremiah Hurd, Kellen Lindstrom, uh, so, some guys that are going to help Tennessee over the next few years. And obviously you add Jamal Wallace to that group now. It's not a bad group, but it could have been better. And you need a high-profile addition there. And there were plenty of second-tier guys you know, they probably should have been harder on Amaris Williams from the start. They kind of kept him warm for a few months, and then he goes to Florida before he gets to take his official visit to Tennessee. So probably got to give themselves more second-tier options at receiver, at defensive line, at a few positions where they came up just a little bit short. So there's some things they can learn from this year, some things they could have done better, some things they will do better in the future. But the bottom line is, with the transfer portal, you can make up for a lot of that. And if they go to the portal and patch up the few holes they have on this roster – They'll be just fine. A top 15 recruiting class will be just fine for keeping them on track for where they're headed, which is sort of competitive few years in the SEC. But they've got to continue to build on this. And and certainly, you know, you're going to end up with a top 15 class on early sign day, which is not ideal. But again, not bad. And I think much like this eight and four season kind of keeps the train on the tracks and gives Tennessee a chance with Nico Iamaliava the next couple of years to still be a contender in the SEC. And that's the bottom line. It's a good class, not a great class. Not a perfect class, but a couple five stars, a few other really highly ranked players that are going to keep keep Tennessee on the trajectory that they were on this past year. It just doesn't maybe add as much immediate impact to what should be a pretty good team next year as we thought they might get going into the summer. Well, that's how it is, and then we'll see. Obviously, we'll have many more podcasts in the coming you know, days and weeks to to put all this into even more perspective. But I think now we're we're in a really good spot of. To, of giving people information heading into what's going to be a crazy week. So I'm glad we're releasing this one a little bit early. So Ryan, unless you got anything else, man, I think we've, uh, think we've run the course on this one, but are you good? I'm good. Let's, uh, let, let's, let's see how this class looks in a few days, but, uh, should be a fun stretch run. And as always stay tuned to go balls 24 seven, get 50% off right now for, uh, uh, your first year on the site as an annual subscriber, go sign up now and get all this coverage and more and, uh, and, and check back throughout the week. It will be a, an eventful week. I think we'll, we'll probably have some news to follow each day. So definitely stay tuned and, uh, and see how this class wraps up over the next few days. We will see Ryan. Appreciate the time tonight and uh, good luck with the next few days. Appreciate it, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24 seven podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that 
at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.